Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with the Cronus CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve client security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SNB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Rob Scott. He's the managing partner at Scott & Scott LLP, a technology law firm in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Rob is on the board of advisors at the MSP Alliance. His firm is an elite sponsor of the Technology Assurance Group and is affiliated with the OTX Roundtable. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. So great introduction. Uh, it's almost like you wrote it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you? Like, uh, who are you, where you came from, all that happy stuff. So uh, my name is Rob Scott. Obviously, I'm an attorney in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I was born in Long Island, New York. I moved to Texas when I was five years old. I went to Austin College in Sherman, Texas. I got my law degree at Hofstra University in New York in 1996. At that time, they set the snowfall record in Central Park that year, and I promptly <laughs> moved back to Texas. Exactly. Been there ever since. I don't blame you. So... Very good. Uh, so obviously you like Texas, which is fun. So um, so tell us about your law firm and what you specifically do, because you work with managed service providers and, and <laughs> we as an industry are always looking for attorneys who actually specialize in MSP. So yes, and, and, that's, and that's exactly what we do. We're a technology law firm. Our background is in software licensing and security and privacy. Uh, we can provide for many uh, MSPs full service uh, legal from M&A to customer contracts to litigation to uh, you name it, intellectual property. Um, we have represented MSPs from startup to sale. Uh, and more recently, we've developed a hosted customer contracting solution for managed service providers to move their customer contracts to an online system that's managed by us and updated every quarter, hosted in Azure. All right. So let me take that apart in pieces. But first, the website is Scott and Scott, written out, Scott and Scott, LLP.com. And we'll put a link down below as well as your Facebook and YouTube and all that other happy stuff. Um, you. So you have a hosted service. Uh, and so that brings 100 things to mind. So first of all, does that mean I have the same contract for every client? Correct. What, what we do is that the is way we, the world should work. hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> if you think about the time you spend managing different versions and who's on what contract and keeping track of changes, uh, you almost need to have you know dedicated resources to do that. What we've done is separated the legal terms and conditions from the commercial terms and conditions. And we drive everything in the transaction off an order or a quote, the same kind of thing that the salespeople would have somebody sign. 
but we then collapse the sales and contracting process into one step by having uh, the online terms and conditions incorporated by reference into what the customers would already be signing from a proposal or quote perspective. So once they sign off on the commercial terms, the legal terms and conditions, which are, are, are hosted in our environment and made available to end user customers via hyperlinks are agreed to at the same time. And it's interesting. So I literally, as we're recording this, I had a conversation two hours ago with somebody who said that they had two prospects who wanted to make changes to his contract. And he basically said, no, uh, I'm not going to do that. If that's what you absolutely require, you should go away <laughs> and I will find other clients. Uh, is that what you recommend people do? It, it depends on the requested changes. We offer as part of our maintenance and support, an email review of any requested customer changes. Some of them are not uh, worthy of uh, running the customer off. Some of them, to the extent that they want to restructure how you do business or what risk you take in the business, uh, those are not worth keeping. So I would say it, it's a case-by-case -case situation. We do tell our customers, our clients, that they should present their agreements as non-negotiable. But at the same time, we give the client the flexibility to do a, a custom amendment or custom provisions within their quote or order without necessarily changing their hosted terms and conditions, but on a one-off basis. And, and we can help them do that if it becomes necessary. So I can't say across the board blanket that you shouldn't negotiate with customers. So much depends on what your agreements say and what the nature of the requests are. Right. But I do agree that, that managed services pricing by and large is based on a market level of risk. And what I mean by that is subject to limitations caps that are market in terms of how they're calculated. And if customers want you to take on unlimited liability, for example, uh, that's not a customer that's worth having. Right. So if, it, if it's those kinds of changes that your colleague was discussing, then I agree with him on that. Yeah. Now, uh, is, is this service available all over the country? Are you, do you have to be licensed to practice law in all 50 states? We have to be licensed to practice law in all 50 states, but the forms that we uh, license can be licensed by anybody. And if you're in a state where we're not licensed, you take our forms, you license them, and then you have a local attorney review them for any local law specific things that need to be reviewed. So you don't have to be a client of the law firm to license the forms. The forms have been generated over 15 years. They're master templates and you can sign up for the ongoing support service of uh, uh, subscribing to the updates as well without being a client of the firm. And in that situation, the services would be identical. However, uh, you would need a local attorney to just review your templates uh, before you go live with them to make sure that anything that's local to your jurisdiction um, is, is included. We right. have had a number of law firms that have worked with our clients around the country. And in general, we're not seeing that there's anything missing, but it is a good idea for, um, for someone in a market where we're not licensed. And there are some, but we're in many 
um, to, to have a local attorney just review it. And we can we can facilitate that review for a client that doesn't have a, a relationship with a local attorney. Right. We can, now, we can a lot of that. attorneys who work with MSPs say, hey, I, I kind of like this this uh, recurring revenue model. So I want to I want you to sign up here and give me $10,000 and then $5,000 a year for the rest of your life. Is this basically what you're doing here? Okay, actually, um, actually, our pricing is uh, not like that, what you've described. Um, and, and we're moving more toward a software as a service type offering. We did for many years charge, you know, here's a fee, here's a document. And if you need something else, come back and we'll either turn on the meter or do another project. And what I learned is these things change too rapidly. And what clients really want is the update service of knowing that someone they can trust is looking at this and keeping it updated. And we do it every quarter. So what we've developed is a master set of templates that are copywritten. And those master templates get updated by us every day. And then every quarter, we analyze each customer's agreements against the then current template and show them those changes for acceptance. So, um, when a client uh, agrees to this, I'm assuming it's like they go online and there's some electronic signature or something? That's correct. We can work with any, any platform, but as long as the end user customer signs the order or quote with the language that we provide, we attach as an exhibit a schedule of the agreements that are hosted. We call it Exhibit A. And it's just a listing of hyperlinked documents, the master services agreement, the uh, managed services attachment, the cloud and disaster recovery attachment. And you, you know what I'm talking about. There's a right. long set of modules. Each of those modules is contained in the exhibit, which is incorporated by reference into the quote or order. So when so, you make changes to that, clients may not be aware that you've made a change, but it's- Our, it's our clients are always aware. So the so end user client, the end user client may be made aware or not in the MSP's discretion, because one of the things they sign when they sign our order is the so-called Oracle language that says, we have the right to update our service conditions, and we're going to post the then version on our website, which we also help the clients manage. We develop a legal page for each MSP, and on that page, we show their active agreements and manage the archives they're on that page for them. So uh, in reality, uh, we can make changes to the, the MSP can make changes to the agreement after the original one is signed, can make changes to any of the terms and conditions under the terms of the new agreement with the customer, which allows the MSP to update the terms and conditions. And um, I, I mean, I, I assume that there must be some clients that have some pushback on that. Like you can change your side of the deal without me. <laughs> yes. And, 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 and there will be some that push back on that. And in that case, the MSP could decide to agree that they don't need that provision. And then they'll be back to, you know, that client will be on that locked version. I don't like that. I like putting all the clients on the same version. I wouldn't lose a deal over it, but I would explain to the client why we want it that way. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't change the economics. You know, the economics are really baked into the order and the quote. This is really just legal terms and conditions that would be tweaked so, and changed. Can you give me an example of something that would change? 
Yeah. So, for example, um, in the incorporation by reference language, it said customer understands and agrees that all of the service attachments on exhibit A are incorporated by reference. And then I looked at that and I said, well, not everything in exhibit A is a service attachment because it also has a schedule of third party services and also has a data processing agreement. So I changed the language from service attachment to terms and conditions to make it cleaner, clearer, more accurate. So it's those types of changes. So, um, so it's not something major like, you know, changing liability to whatever they've paid. In no, <laughs> if, if a client was going to significantly change the risk balancing provisions in the contract, we would advise them to give notice to their customer. Okay. And it's not, it's not designed to be sneaky. It's right. designed to be easy to manage. Right. Well, we if, do a similar it, 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 thing with it, our it, privacy policies. And, and that's it's actually we're in beta with that now on that same legal page. Once uh, our new solution is launched, you'll have your host of policies, acceptable use, information security, breach incident response, uh, data disaster, uh, backup and disaster recovery policy. All of those policies that are driven by regulatory compliance, all on that same legal page with your terms and conditions all updated on a quarterly basis. So on my website, do I just have a, a plugin and then your text appears? Correct. Right, very cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it is interesting to me, it's 2022, there are still people who operate in this business without a contract. <laughs> They're fewer and far between. You know, I've been doing contracts in the managed services space since, you know, people were using telecom, you know, derived agreements. And, and services were delivered with no warranty on a best efforts basis. And, and liability was um, um, limited to 100%. And now, you know, these agreements can be very complicated and voluminous. And um, they're really more focused on third party uh, privacy risk and regulatory compliance more than you know, uptime and, and service credits. So my have things have changed since I've been in the game, but, but, but the, never has there been the, 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 the threat landscape for MSPs, the risk profile for MSPs, particularly in light of ransomware, which was made clear in the Kaseya incidents of last summer. Um, the risk profile right now is you have to be an idiot to be in managed services without having very strong contracts that limit your liability when something goes wrong. Well, I meet, I meet a lot of those people uh, who, who just insist that, oh, my clients would never sign a contract or whatever. And I always tell them, you know, you, you sign a contract when you park your car, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you go to the swimming pool, uh, when you have somebody mow your lawn. So trust me, your clients will sign a contract. They've signed a contract with everybody except you. So exactly, you're 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 the exception. You're not the norm. And 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 to me, think about it. You're going into a business where you're getting a fraction of the revenue, and you're taking on the lion's share of the risk. Who's the idiot in the story? The only way that managed services makes sense as a business is if you don't take the responsibility for answering for other people's criminal activity, or negligent acts or omissions, including your customers. 
uh, and especially your third-party vendors like your RMM tools and your other tools. If you're taking responsibility, i.e. haven't specifically had your end user customer disclaim the right to sue you for that, you're taking on more risk than is what your fees are worth. Your business is a ticking time bomb. Well, and in a lot of ways, managed services is essentially uh, an insurance type situation where, you know, we're going to, we're going to take on some of the, the risk, but we're going to get paid for that. Right. But we we shouldn't take on more risk than what we've agreed to. Um, that, and, and we should take on that risk that is within our control. Namely, we should agree to, we should agree to defend and indemnify our customers subject to the limitation cap and to the extent covered by insurance for our negligent acts and omissions and not what other people do or don't do, including the criminal acts of third parties. Well, and, you know, 10 years ago, insurance didn't play a huge role in people's considerations. Now, uh, insurance companies are doubling and tripling their rates because they miscalculated what their payouts were going to be for ransomware. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, uh, there are cases where, and you may have, I'm sure you've heard of it, but this one uh, MSP got sued for $1.7 million. Uh, the client actually was responding to a phishing attack. And what they were doing was completely 100% within their control and had nothing to do with the MSP. But the MSP had confused their contract with their marketing materials and made the claim that you take care of your work and we'll take care of security and you don't ever have to worry about security. Well, that seems a, like a really big mistake at this point. I mean, I, I'm assuming the MSP is going to win, but I can't guarantee that. Uh, look, I wouldn't assume that they're going to win because if you legally make give people the impression that you're going to do something that you don't do um, and there's an incident that occurs, you could be held responsible for that. That's why our agreements are explicit on what's excluded. For example, on the topic of ransomware, they say that the client can pay the ransom or pay the MSP their then standard hourly rates to remediate. Um, uh, it says clearly that we're not responsible. The MSP is not responsible for the criminal acts of third parties under any circumstances. And, but now the Justice Department is saying if you pay a ransom, you are giving money to organized crime. And so they're telling people never pay the ransom. And that's fine. That's, and, and I tell my MSP clients, don't get involved in that. If your client pays the ransom, don't get involved in that. Don't be a middleman in that. Don't facilitate that because you could get in trouble for that. And there's no upside in that. Now, right. That being said, I, regardless of what the government says, I think every business has to make their own decision about what they want to do when it comes to ransomware. If you've got solid to back up and disaster recovery, you thumb your nose at the ransomware and you go to a restore. If your restore is not going to get you back to where you need to be, then the cost of restore would be substantially greater than the ransom, pay the ransom. It's a business decision. I don't think anybody can make that decision but the but the client in that who's faced with that dilemma for the MSP, the, the important thing is don't get caught holding the bag to remediate it or pay for it because your customer contract is not clear. And in any event, don't get involved in dealing with the players because you could get mixed up in that 
uh, and get yourself and your and your end user in trouble by getting involved with criminals, including uh, facilitating the payment of ransomware. Right. Plus, where do I send a 1099 to uh, the rascals in the in Russia who uh, <laughs> exactly uh, exactly the ransomware? So, um, how do people get started? Do they contact you and fill out a long like a form that says I do business here and I do business there? And you know, no, we do that over the phone. And and the reason those questions that you're raising are so important because it it goes to the regulatory framework that they operate under. So who they who are their clients? Are they in healthcare? Are they in financial services? Uh, what states do they do business in? Do any of their clients have any EU data subjects in their systems? All of these things are done in an interview, and I actually speak to the prospective clients and talk them through our solution, show them a brief demo, and then uh, help them identify which of our modules are appropriate for their business. For example, in managed services today, many businesses are selling uh, voice over IP solutions. One way to sell those is as agent for the manufacturer where you're providing services on the, on, the, on the vendor's paper. Another way to do it is to offer it direct to your customers as a monthly recurring revenue service. The, the flavor of how the MSP offers that determines whether they need a module in their customer stack for that or not. So if they're only doing it on the vendor's paper, then they don't need a managed VoIP module from me. If they are doing it direct, then a managed VoIP module would be appropriate for them. So we have, you know, a long laundry list of, of forms that cover the variety of managed services that we've encountered from basic managed services to uh, uh, managed security uh, into surveillance, access control, security alarm monitoring, you know, the whole gamut of, of the typical services that can be offered on a monthly recurring revenue basis. And we meet with the client and map their existing agreements to our platform modules. And then um, we're able to deliver those modules to them and um, provide them a sample order form that they can use. Uh, and many of our clients are on online systems like ConnectWise Cell or, or Tigerpaw or Quoter or Zoho or other CRM solutions. And our system can be integrated with any online ordering, any DocuSign, uh, Adobe Sign, all of those uh, online solutions and CRMs that are common in the industry can be used for our solution. Very cool. And so uh, do you price, well, first of all, do you have like one flat fee per MSP or do you price on how many modules they're engaged in or how do you do that? Yeah, so it's priced on the modules and the nature of the modules. So a lot of it's driven on how much regulatory compliance they are. If they're in all 50 states, they've got healthcare clients and and European clients and financial services clients, you know, that's a pretty involved data processing agreement. So that gets factored in, you know, the complexity of data processing agreement can be a driver on the fees. The number of modules, the types of modules is definitely part of the licensing fees. And then we have a setup fee, which includes the customization, walking them through the first two live transactions, reviewing the transaction documents with them for the first two deals. Um, and then we have a maintenance and support, which is an annual fee. So there's two, there's two one-time fees, one for licensing, one for setup, and then there's an annual maintenance and support fee as well. And that includes the hosting access to the privacy and security library, which is the predecessor service to the one I mentioned in beta, where we'll host the legal website for people, um, as well as uh, quarterly review and update 
of all of the documents and uh, email review of any end user customer requested changes are all part of the maintenance and support, which is on an annual basis. So there is no charge per end user client. No charge per end user. There's no limit to the number of transactions. Uh, we, we, there's no fee uh, per transaction unless you want to engage us to assist you with negotiations beyond just the initial triage. Uh, but that's only come up in a limited number of circumstances. And even then I'm able to get those things done very quickly because I know where everything is in all the documents because I work with them so frequently. Right. So what if somebody needs something special? So they've got their, your client and they, they've got the whole system, they got it all plugged in. And then one of their end users says, hey, we do business with the state. We need a drug-free workplace policy. Is that something that you've got on hand that you can plug into theirs and it just becomes another module? Uh, we don't we don't deliver services for MSPs to be consumed by their end users. So the scenario no, no, you, no I mean the, the 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 end user is saying we need the MSP to declare that they're a drug they have a drug free. Okay, yeah. So that would be request that would be part of a, a, a end user requested change, and we would deal with it that way. So, and there's a charge for that, I assume. Uh, there could be, there could be, it, 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 an ad move change. (laughs) Yeah, it it would be, yeah, it it just depends. You know, there are certain things that we have just library forms that they could use other things that, you know, we have to draft it and it's custom that we would charge a discounted hourly fee for customers that had maintenance and support. So, um, as a rule, if I were to sign up with you, what would what would you expect to be the biggest mistakes you find that I'm, I'm doing in my business that you're going to help me solve by using your service? Uh, all of, you're you're probably not doing a great job of mitigating all of the potential legal risks that um, are inherent deals, and I'm going to help you manage that. Uh, I'm going to make sure that. To the extent possible, if something goes wrong and it's not your fault, you're not going to have to pay for it. Right. Uh, I'm going to make sure that you not only have insurance, but that your customers have insurance. So um, you may have seen this, but if you go to to Reddit and you hang out for very long, uh, a notice is going to come by that says, hey, guys, uh, I'm just getting started in this whole IT consulting business. Uh, has anybody got a contract I can use? Uh, what would your response be to that person? Look, I, I think, you know, a couple of things. One, anybody who, rep- they say that anybody who represents themselves has a fool for a client. Um, that's true of lawyers. It's especially true of non-lawyers who are trying to represent themselves. You know, and, and I would tell you, these documents are not cookie cutter. Even our documents that, you know, I've spent tens of thousands of hours developing over, you know, more than a decade, we still change them all the time. We customize them for our clients. Every business is different. Just because you could pull a form off of, you know, someone could send you a template or a vendor has a sample form. They're not looking out for your interest. Those forms are, if something goes wrong, you can't sue them for malpractice. So I would say you're getting what you pay for in that situation. Yeah. Well, I always, every time I see these, I'm like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) 
you know, you've got a form that might have started out as an air conditioning repair form. Yeah. And it has it's has nothing to you don't know that it has anything to do with our industry or uh, what constitutes, you know, what's covered and what's not covered, what is break fix, what is add move change, like there's nothing in there that you can guarantee has anything to do with what you actually do for a living. And so I always encourage people to uh, not only start with a document that um, was written in the industry, but also have everything reviewed. There's so many people are like, oh, no, I'll just take this form I found in a book. Like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Listen, it's worth it. Given the risk profile, you know, we have something called the schedule of third party service providers. I created it last fall in response to the Kaseya incident. We took we take every vendor. We list their end user license agreement and their privacy policy. We have our clients disclose to every end user what they use them for, every third-party vendor. And in bold-faced letters, it says, customer agrees that under no circumstances will the MSP be responsible for any uh, claims caused by third-party service providers. And we developed that because I was afraid of representing an MSP in that Kaseya incident. I told people, I'll take any party in this case, except the MSP. The end user, I understand their argument. They've been harmed. The vendor, I understand its argument. Uh, it's not its fault. You know, it, it, the, the MSP is contractually responsible, but I didn't have a good argument for the MSP. And with this, with this agreement now, uh, together with appropriate insurance, uh, we've been able to significantly mitigate the risk associated with offering managed services. And now with this hosted solution to enable MSPs to go all online and collapse the sales process and the contracting process into one simple step. So I'll ask a question you may not want to answer, but uh, when I started in this business, I used to have an umbrella policy of a million dollars because I was like, you know, that's, that's enough. You know, I got my house, I got my car, I got my business. Um, how much insurance do you think an MSP should have? I think an MSP that's focusing on SMB needs a million dollars of cyber liability tech, you know, I think that is the market amount of insurance. Um, for SMB managed services. As the company grows, as you start topping to the high end of the SMB and, and entering into the mid-market, I think $2 million is appropriate. Uh, but, but $1 million in tech e is what I perceive as the market for SMB managed services in the United States. Well, that's good news because I was thinking, you know, with a $1.7 million lawsuit out there, a uh, million dollars wasn't going to be enough. Well, if you have my agreements, they're capped to uh, some multiple of the incident giving rise to the service. They're excluded from everything indirect, including lost profits. And uh, they're limited to the proceeds of the insurance in excess of that. So either they're going to get your insurance or, or, if they can't get the insurance, they're gonna get some few three, six months of fees. So their cap, you know, your limit of, of insurance doesn't work as an area of exposure for you over and above that amount because in your contract, in my templates, 
the client gets, the end user gets the greater of the proceeds of insurance or three months or six months of service fees, giving rise to the incident. So there's no circumstance contractually where the insurance won't be sufficient. Nice. Very good. Well, sadly, we're out of time, uh, but this has been very educational and I certainly appreciate it. And um, Rob Scott from Scott and Scott LLP.com. We'll go ahead and put those links down below. Uh, anything else you want to leave us for, you know, parting words of wisdom? Well, I think that uh, it's great that uh, there's a focus on managed services. I think the time for managed services has never been better. Uh, I tell my clients to lead with security. You may have come from voice or copiers or IT networking or break fix, but we're all in the security business now. So focus on security, focus on delivering uh, value to your customers to avoid incidents and get strong agreements and good insurance in place for that inevitable situation that falls through the cracks or where some criminal activity results in harm to your customers. Very good. Rob Scott from Scott and Scott LLP. Thank you for being with us today. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.